Well, good morning, church. Good to see everybody here. I'm Brian. I'm the music director here. And man, I tell you, it is so exciting for me to be in the back and hear everybody sing. I love it when God's people gather together and we sing together. I had a mentor growing up um, when I was in ministry, and he always said, Brian, you don't have to, you get to do this. We get to do this together. So with that, I just uh, pray with me one more time before I begin. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit, for inhabiting our praises. Lord, thank you that we get to do this. Lord, I ask this morning that you would show up in ways that, Lord, only you can. God, that you would reveal to us the ways in which we should live, that we could walk in step with you and your spirit. God, convict us where we need conviction. Encourage us where we need encouragement. And Lord, would you please allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Mabel was a woman intimately familiar with the depths of suffering. She bore the weight of complete blindness and partial deafness and rendering her bedridden or bound to a wheelchair. Neglected by her family, Mabel found solace within the confines of a state, uh, state-run hospital that spanned, uh, exceeding, spanned 25 years. She was there for over 25 years. And then adding to her suffering, cancer had mercilessly marred her face, leaving her visibly disfigured. So forsaken by family, secluded, enveloped in darkness, and marked by visible scars, Mabel not only comprehended the essence of abandonment, but she also experienced its profound impact on a daily basis. And I ask you, if you were faced with Mabel's circumstances, what would you do? How would you respond? While you may not be blind, partially deaf, unless you're my kids, maybe, (laughs) or physically disfigured, it is likely that you can relate to the experience of feeling isolated and forsaken, and not only by loved ones, if we're being honest, by God himself. When our heartfelt prayers for help, healing, protection, peace seem to go unanswered, it can become a challenge to maintain trust in the notion that God has not deserted us. And this brings us to our text this morning. Psalm 22 offers us profound wisdom to help guide us through seasons tainted by fear, depression, doubt, and an overwhelming sense of abandonment. In essence, during moments when we feel forsaken by God, it becomes paramount for us to anchor our trust in three fundamental aspects of his character. And these are my three main points this morning. So first, trusting in God's faithful past. Second, trusting in God's abiding presence. And third, trusting in God's great triumph. Again, Trusting in God's faithful past, trusting in God's abiding presence, and third, trusting in God's great triumph. These pillars of trust 
serve as principles for us when we feel discouraged, abandoned, uncertain in our relationship with God. So with that, let's start with our first main point, trusting in God's faithful past. Look with me at verses one through five. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. David begins with one of the most brutally honest expressions in all of scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This expression captures the depth of human despair. It's an anguish that surpasses any other painful question we find in the Old Testament. However, as we dive into this psalm, there is a discernible pattern that you'll see as you go through. A progression from lament to reasons for placing trust in God. And David initiates this shift by reflecting on God's faithful past in verses 3 and 4, which again say, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and in you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. David recalls the trust of his forefathers and how God time and time again showed up. God time and time again proved his faithfulness by rescuing and guiding his people. Reflecting on this history, David affirms with conviction that God never abandoned or turned away from his people. It is this assurance that fuels David's present trust in God. Believing that he will remain steadfast and not forsake or abandon him in his circumstances. On a stormy night, a businessman boards a plane takes the middle seat. Next to him, by the window seat, is a middle-aged woman, and in the aisle seat is a little girl. After the flight takes off, he begins a conversation with the little girl, who appears to be the same age as his daughter, and he thinks it's so strange that this little girl is traveling alone, but he kind of keeps that to himself. About an hour into the flight, the plane is suddenly hit with extreme turbulence. The pilot comes on the PA and says, everybody fasten your seatbelts. We've hit a pretty rough storm. And for a half an hour, this plane is dipping and turning and shaking. <clears throat> People begin to cry, as I probably would. And the woman seated next to him by the window, she starts to pray intently. The businessman is sweating and clenching his seat as tightly as he can, but meanwhile, the little girl, well, she's seated, sitting, sitting down quietly. Doesn't seem to be phased at all. Suddenly the turbulence ends. The pilot comes on the PA once again to apologize for the bumpy ride and to announce that they'll be landing soon. And as the plane is descending, the man looks at the little girl and says, I have never known anyone 
so brave in my life. You're just a little girl. Like, tell me, how is it that you have remained so calm during all of this while all the adults have been so afraid? And she looks him in the eyes and she says to him, my father is the pilot and he's taking me home. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I ask you this morning, what areas of your life has your trust grown weary and you feel forsaken by God? Maybe it's your finances or financial burdens that you find yourself in. Maybe it's a broken marriage or dealing with a blended family. Maybe it's a wayward son or daughter or an aging parent. Maybe it's dealing with the pain of losing a loved one or an inability to conceive and have kids. Maybe it's a habitual sin that you just can't seem to overcome or maybe it's the horrific sin of someone else that has impacted your life. Whatever it is, Psalm 22 is a reminder from God to reflect upon his past faithfulness and the reliability of his plans for us. It prompts us to recall the countless instances where God has proven himself faithful, demonstrating his steadfast love and provision throughout all of history. By remembering his faithfulness, we can find assurance and confidence in his plan for our lives. Psalm 22 encourages us to trust in God's character and to hold fast to the belief that he will continue to guide and lead us in his perfect ways. And as we recognize and trust in God's faithful past, it naturally leads us to our second main point this morning. So first, trusting in God's faithful past, and second, Trusting in God's abiding presence. Look with me at verses 6 through 10. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Again, we see the progression here from lament to reasons for trusting in God. Here David laments over the taunting of his enemies and how his adversaries viewed him as insignificant and worthless and this lament goes on in verses 12 through 21. He describes his enemies as bulls and wild oxen in verses 12 and 21, as lions in verses 13 and 21, and dogs and evildoers in verses 16 and 20. And then he laments about his weakness in verses 14 and 15, and then his need for help in verse 20. But sandwiched in between these laments, is his reason for trusting in God and his abiding presence. Look with me at verse 10. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. 
in moments of feeling abandoned by God, it is crucial to remember it was God who formed our inward parts. It was God who knitted us together in our mother's womb. That his love for us is unchanging. His acceptance of us is not dependent on our performance or what others have to say. And what's interesting here too is the imagery that David uses. This imagery of God like a midwife bringing him into the world. When we feel abandoned, overwhelmed, or stressed, it's God's abiding presence that becomes our source of strength and endurance to persevere. Rick Hoyt is a renowned figure in the running world, captivating people around the world with his story. However, his inspiration does not stem from his physical prowess or his extraordinary achievements when it comes to his speed or endurance. Rather, it arises from his unique partnership with his father. You see, Rick was born with cerebral palsy, rendering him unable to walk and speak. So in each race, his father selflessly pushes him in a wheelchair over time forming an unbreakable bond between them. For 40 years, the abiding presence and support of Rick's father allowed Rick to overcome his physical limitations and to soar across numerous finish lines. Their bond and determination led them to participate in a staggering number of races, triathlons, Ironmans, and marathons. How many like marathon runners are there in here today? Exactly. <laughs> That's tough. Man, as Christians, without the abiding presence of God our Father, we would not be able to complete the marathon of life. Just like Rick's father enabled him to overcome his physical limitations, God's presence enables us to navigate the challenges that we face. With God as our guide, we can find strength, endurance, and the perseverance needed to cross the finish line. And as we run the race of life, we can find solace in knowing that God is with us every single step. He is enabling us to reach the ultimate victory, which brings us to our third and final point this morning. So again, we looked at first trusting in God's faithful past. Second, we looked at trusting in God's abiding presence. And third, we will look at trusting in God's great triumph. In verses 22 through 31, there is a significant shift that happens in this song. From this point forward, there is a noticeable and notable absence of lament and petition. Instead, the tone transforms into heartfelt praise and adoration. Look with me at verses 22 through 31. I will tell of your name to my brothers and in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, 
For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. And they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. These verses conclude the psalm with a resounding proclamation of praise. And it's clear that the situation that David was in, God has delivered him. David's focus shifts from his own distress to the great triumph of God. Now, all of Psalm 22 holds significance and relevance for us today. And why is that? Because this psalm is a guiding light, a beacon directing our attention to the great triumph of Christ on the cross. When we turn our attention to the New Testament, we encounter the remarkable realization that this psalm finds its extraordinary fulfillment in Jesus. The writers of the New Testament discerned a profound connection between David's words and the Messiah. In this psalm, we encounter allusions, glimpses, and foreshadows of the ultimate triumph Jesus would achieve on the cross. Verse 31 concludes with, again, a resounding proclamation declaring God's praise and and proclaiming that future generations will arise and testify to the righteousness of the Lord, saying that he has done it. These words foreshadow Jesus' final words on the cross. It is finished. Affirming the completion of his redemptive mission. But of all the illusions, glimpses, and foreshadows that you see all throughout this psalm, none stands out more than verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This verse holds great significance because Jesus himself quoted it while hanging on the cross. Consider the setting in which Jesus was crucified. Surrounded by Pharisees, Sadducees, Jewish believers, and various other people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were well-versed in God's word and had much of it memorized, including the Psalms, would have instantly recognized these words like lyrics to a song everyone knows, right? You start, someone starts singing a song, you know, it's, I'm in. I need one word. Boom. Here we go. I kind of make it awkward sometimes by doing that. Sorry if I've done that to you. But for them, instantly they would know. As Jesus uttered those words, those familiar with Psalm 22 would have realized in that moment that David's words were pointing directly to Jesus in that moment. 
the psalm was about Jesus. Furthermore, as Jesus spoke those words, something miraculous happened. While bearing the weight of our sins and the sins of the world, Jesus also carried the burden of utter abandonment. God turned his back on his own son in that moment because Jesus took on every sin. And God, being holy, cannot even look upon sin. Therefore, Jesus experienced the profound sense of abandonment. And why is that significant? Because all who call on the name of the Lord, the need to utter those words of forsakenness is forever eradicated. When we find ourselves in moments of tension or aching to cry out to God, wondering why God has forsaken us, we must remember that Jesus bore the very abandonment on our behalf. The curtain was torn. The veil lifted. There is no longer separation between God and man because of his sacrifice and triumphant resurrection from the grave, we now have the privilege and experience and benefit of his Holy Spirit present with us, guiding us, leading us. And not only that, the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of knowing that we will be with him forever. This morning, if you find yourself wrestling through a season of fear, depression, of doubt, or an overwhelming sense of abandonment, I want to encourage you this morning to follow the example of David in Psalm 22. Trust in God's faithful past. Remind yourself of his abiding presence in your life through the Holy Spirit. And place your hope in his great triumph on the cross for you. Within the walls of the state-run hospital that became Mabel's home, a seminary student found himself drawn to her. Despite her immense hardships, Mabel exuded an extraordinary joy that captivated him. Intrigued, the student asked Mabel, what occupies your thoughts day after day, recognizing that she was not able to perceive the passing of time. Mabel's response, though simple, resonated with profound depth. She said, I think about Jesus. I ponder his goodness in my life. His grace towards me has been unmatched, and above all else, I choose Jesus because he is my everything. And then she spontaneously broke out in, into praise, singing, offering heartfelt worship to God, expressing gratitude for his incredible love and his abundant provision. May God bless us with this kind of confident assurance in the face of various trials. May we never grow weary of trusting in God's faithful past and trusting in God's abiding presence and trusting in his great triumph on the cross on our behalf.
Let's pray.